So hi everyone, uh, nice to be back. Welcome to episode four of Demandism. We've taken a bit of a sabbatical between the last episode and this one. Because um, yeah, we've been a bit busy launching our new brand into the world. Um, and that is going to be what we're going to cover in this session. We're going to talk through many lessons that we learned along the way. Um, and also some of the good stuff um, that's come out of it and our early results. And we'd love it to be really interactive. So if it's something you're thinking about doing, you're currently going through, or you've got any questions, then please do share them. Um, probably should have do some introductions before we get going. So um, I'm Alistair Corsi, CMO at Cognizim, joined with Liam, who's the, our global head of demand gen, and Fran, who is our head of demand gen. Um, yeah, we're your regular demanders and panels. So to kick us off, I think it's important to look at like, why did we bother going through a rebrand? And I think this is important because oftentimes when you go through a rebrand, it's a huge amount of work, it's a huge amount of cost, and it's really difficult to know, like, when would you do this? Why would you do this? And like, um, is it the right time, basically? So I thought it would be helpful to just share why at Cognizant, I decided to put forward um, the proposal that we go through a rebrand to our board and to our CEO and get the buy-in and go through this whole very painful but very worthwhile process. Um, so yeah, kicking us off, we basically were in what I would call and have been describing as a brand limbo. So um, since I, I mean, I joined Cognizant over three years ago now, and I joined just after they had done probably what you'd call a very lightweight brand exercise. So there were some basic brand guidelines that had been created. Um, we did have like a visual identity, but it didn't cover all that many occurrences and um, use cases. Um, we had like a very minimal Squarespace website, which was pretty basic in terms of templates and layouts, et cetera. So it was like quite, I guess it was minimal, but it wasn't something that at that time was kind of top priority for me to think about and focus on. Um, and more, it was just about how we get more stuff out of the world and live and execute against our, our strategy. So. But what's, what I found as we've grown from being a team of three people at that stage and sort of under three million in revenue to where we were when I went through this process and put forward the plan to go through a rebrand, we were around 20 million, 20 people in the marketing team. Um, and we had just, the scale had just massively increased. Um, and every time we were trying to do something new, um, I mean, it could be on a daily occurrence or just try and do something that was like a day-to-day -day activity. We were having to reinvent the wheel, like literally on a daily basis. And we often weren't doing it very well. So what I've tried to show on here is like everything from product imagery that we were having on our website pages to like just creating a banner for a newsletter, which was a new initiative or like the blog cards that we had. You can see there was like no consistency. Everything was pretty mix and match beyond really like typography and color like the rest was kind of open to interpretation um and it also wasn't really aligned to there was no like deeper alignment to a bigger picture story a position in the marketplace there was it was just um yeah as i said before we were using like very basic guidelines to try and do a lot of things and we just didn't have the answers for them and not only had marketing team grown but the whole organization had grown so we you know up to what are we now, like 400 plus people? So um, it was becoming a real, real issue and it was just massively slowing us down as well. Um, and so at that point, it was pretty clear to me that we had a problem and we needed to solve it. Um, so how I, what I did was I put together a whole presentation on why I felt like this was the right time for us to go through this process um, and what I thought the business impact of it would be. And also a lot of that was working on trying to tie it back to revenue our ability to hit our targets and goals the amount the momentum and speed we'd be able to um, achieve them with and also ultimately our growth so I guess that was like that was the background into to why at Cognizant we decided to go through this process um, and, and if you have any questions then please do shoot them across because um, it might be that you're thinking about this at the moment and you're not sure if it's something that's like right for you but if you are um, then what I would say in terms of things to think about before you actually go into the rebrand um, and kind of lessons from my experience of the project these are the things that I would definitely advise you to look at and to be thinking about so first of all like set a project owner it's going to sit in marketing most likely so um, for us it was me and then it was our product marketer Vera as well 
So I think always better to have more than one because you don't want it to fall just to one person. But ultimately, also, I didn't want to distract my team from the day to day and the importance of doing everything they were doing in order to hit our current monthly targets and goals. So we did keep the team pretty tight and small. Um, and then the really important one is to get board and executive buy-in because I think rebrands have a really bad rep for being busy work. So you can kind of, I mean, I've, I've heard it a lot before. People can say, oh, we're going through a rebrand. Tons of projects get put on pause until the rebrand is launched. Nothing else gets out the door. Everything is paused. Um, growth is actually stalled, not accelerated. Um, and I think a lot, all of those things can lead to um, kind of as soon as you present to a board, the word rebrand, a lot of fear um, and concern. So it's really important if you are going to go through something like this, that you make it clear what your plan of action is and the impact that that will have in the, during the time that the work is in progress. Because I am a big believer to have as little work in progress as possible at any one time. And this was the biggest amount of work we've ever had sitting in progress the longest amount of time ever because it was probably in the end ended up being about four or well four to five months that we did you know we were working on something that we weren't able to show so that would be a really big important point from me um and then the thing that you also need to be super prepared with and we had gone through this process before we went and chose our agency to work with is you need to have your house in order so you must have established a very clear position very clear values mission a vision and have your business objectives clear and not just your business objectives for this year but your business objectives ideally for the next two to three years as well because everything that you do with the rebrand should be tied to those and we don't want to be going through this process again in like two three years time so that is really important that you have those things ready agreed upon and clear so we did a lot of workshops before we even went into the rebrand piece to establish what our values, positioning, mission, vision were. And then out of that, it actually became even more clear that we really needed to go through this rebrand process. So get your house in order as well, really important. Um, and make sure it's all documented really well so that when you do come to pick your agency and you do start going down the rebrand path, you it's very easy for them to pick up and get immersed in um, and yeah, just make the rest of it much easier. And the one I would say number four is the most important. You need to have a clear objective for your rebrand project. When you're going out to market to talk to agencies, when you're talking to the board, when you're talking to the company and organization, people are gonna ask you, what are you trying to achieve with this? And so set out a really clear objective for that. For us, mine was really clear. It was creating a scalable design system that is reflective of our positioning and values and enables us to accelerate at speed. Um, and that was what I was going to tie back the success or not of this whole project to. Um, and if anyone ever asked why, that was what, what it came back to. So I think it's really important to have that and set it out at the beginning as well. So, um, and then finally, obviously, well, I don't know if you're going to have the resource to do this in-house, but most likely you're going to want to use an agency or partner to help you. Um, and that in itself can be quite a daunting task. So going to market, picking the right agency, um, I think the main thing that I would do, I would just suggest is make sure you fully document and evaluate um, a number of, of alternatives. And if nothing else, it will help solidify the one that you end up going with. We did a evaluation where I looked at sort of cheap, middling and high in terms of costs, um, as well as ones that were recommended to me. And it's no surprise that the one I ended up going with was the one that was recommended to me, which is also the highest cost agency. Um, they're Pentagram, they've been amazing, um, but ultimately what we found in terms of bang for buck was that you do get what you pay for in this uh, situation. So yeah, just make sure you do go through that thorough process and obviously everyone's budgets are different and it's not always possible to go with them, um, yeah, go with the more expensive option, but you just, it comes back to tying to the objective and where you feel like you can still achieve those goals based on the budget that you have to play with. Scope of work. So I'm gonna bring Liam in now. Um, and he's gonna talk through, because when we talk about the rebrand, I think sometimes, and definitely this happened in our organization, people think, oh, okay, cool. We're gonna change the logo. We're gonna have new colors, new typography, and probably a new loom, like background for our Zoom calls, uh, probably a, a, like a fancier looking website. And that's cool, that's everything. If only that was everything, it actually encompasses so much more than that. And it's a great time to actually scope out what is it that you are going to achieve with this rebrand beyond just like the obvious, I guess. 
So yeah, bringing Liam in to chat this through as well. Hi everyone. Um, yeah, so I think when you start a rebrand, um, there is obviously, there's so many things that you need to address just to obviously skin it in the whole new brand and get everything um, looking at it in that way that you actually have to like come over and look at, I think your entire strategy as well. Um, and all those bits you can revisit again. Um, and for us, that was really important because we'd, we'd moved from lead gen to demand gen. So there was actually a lot of stuff that we had out in the world all these sort of old tactics that we used to do whilst we were doing lead gen and stuff that were no longer like um, valid or like didn't really work for us anymore, but we'd never got around to sort of addressing those. So this was a perfect time for us to take a step back, look at it and fix all of those things. Um, and so we can like, you almost can like refresh yourself to move forward as like a new person. Like it, it gives you that, that opportunity. And I suppose as Alice was saying about rebrands being a lot of work, but maybe distracting from the main work I mean this is the way if I could like incorporating all of that work that you did want to do um that maybe be would have been big projects but to do them all at once and come out the other side like raring to go um so there are like a few key things that I think were included in the scope of work and that we also chose to include in it which you know you could easily avoid if you just wanted to you know rebrand get yourself out there you um you could like not add this to your plate but it just seemed like the perfect time to do it um and something that i would recommend if you're going forward with the a rebrand is to is to take all the that this time basically to to come out and do it so due to the rebrand we visited and i'll cover these things in particular um but we actually there are other things we visited as well um which i can briefly go over as well that um that were like yeah that we also went through but we revisited our forms all the PDFs we had, uh, the website journey, ads, and and all the email programs we had running as well. Um, obviously, we would have had to address all these things probably from a design perspective anyway, but there was just so much more that we could actually go looking at to improve them. So forms was like a massive one for us. Like, as I said, we when we were working, um, like doing a lead gen strategy, we just, we amassed hundreds of forms, like, because everything we created needed a form. And all those forms needed to be like uniquely identify what the form was for that would feed back into like our marketing automation system and, and CRM so that we could have follow up. And we, and basically in the end, we had over 200 forms. Um, previously as well on the website, we'd been using form handlers because we'd, we'd built like our own custom look um, and custom enrichment on it and everything like that. So that meant that we had literally individually 200 forms. The rebrand gave us, you know, time to step back. We're like, one, we don't need that many forms now because we're not running any lead gen. So, you know, there's like a set number of forms that we we actually need um, to because we're not capturing leads for loads of different pieces of content. We're literally just trying to catch, uh, use forms to capture um, inbound demo requests pretty much and, and webinars. So that meant that we knew we could already reduce it that much as well. And two, we wanted to then look at like a better way of like, collecting that data so we were looking for ourselves we we're like moving away from these part of form handlers we we're using and to um and moving towards uh the just normal product product native forms so we can have extra built-in functionality for that and before we knew that like to tie this all in with our customer enrichment change all the back-end systems to make it more efficient and part of Salesforce this would have been like a major piece of work but obviously whilst we're redoing the entire website and the rebrand building these things out this was like the perfect time for us to address this as well so we've made huge progress here and that we've managed to scrap 200 forms which is horrible to upkeep um and like extremely like a massive burden on the marketing team and ops team um to now only having 20 which has just only made us like more efficient going forward. Um, second to that was PDFs. Um, so obviously working at doing, running a lead gen model means that you have like loads of PDFs um, because we were creating tons of eBooks um, to capture contact data to then obviously run follow up to. Um, since we moved to sort of more like of a demand generation model where everything's ungated, you know, PDFs aren't always actually the the most like uh, the best way um, to display your content. It's not the best way that it's consumed. Um, we don't actually need all of these PDFs. Um, so before that was a massive job to go back, right, and look at all of the PDFs we've got. Think about how we could 
better display this content think if it's still even like they were still even valid with what we were saying today like whether they were content that we still wanted and this meant that the rebrand meant that well we're either going to have to reskin these all in the new brand or we say no that's not what we want and uh this is and this is how we want to display it we'll actually have it as a landing page or um that pdf is completely irrelevant to us now um and, and we'll scrap it so we were able to Part of the scope of work thing was to go through all of those PDFs then, choose the ones that we were going to recreate, why, um, and if not, like, uh, whether we were going to create them as, like, something more interactive. So, like, here I've got, we had, like, a PDF for cold calling, like, eight ways to improve your cold calling strategy. This playbook is now, like, a completely um, interactive page on the website, and we're no longer sort of running it. Uh, running it as, like, a resource that you can get from the PDF. And in that interactive page, you've got, we've got video, we've got as well as it all being text-based, you know, you can access it all um, on site. And then also we, um, and this was a major piece, and I think we've still got so much work to do on this, like so much work, um, and and we'll work away for it, um, like over the, over the next, the rest of this year, really. Um, but it gave us a massive chance to look at our sort of on-site journey. So um, Obviously, moving to like a demand gen model means that the on-site journey is even more important. You just want people to access content, get themselves into a hole and, and find more and more of what they want to see. Um, so we built out a, before previously, like having moved from lead gen to demand gen, like there are loads of CTAs embedded in our bar, blogs and everywhere um, that led people to like gated landing pages um so many so that we like we had no it was very hard to like control and list all of those uh those pages the rebound meant we've gone through every single page uh all of the ctas on the blogs every single blog and we're able to then switch those out make sure that we we have no gated content or try and or as best we can redirect people to more relevant content update blog ctas with um more up-to-date stuff better things that we've got going on um and it just meant that we were able to address all of that all at once, um, which again, on its own, outside of rebrand, would have just been like a massive amount of work, but it gave us the perfect opportunity to do that. We got to update all case studies and social proof as well, decide which ones there like uh, worked for us, which was still relevant, which, you know, which case studies like showed what we want to show today and not just what we had um, previously in the past. We looked at all of our website navigation as well. Like, how easy was it to get resources? Where can we get to? Um, like, how can how do people move from the site? How do people get to where they want um, from there? And then we're obviously updating like the global global header and photo of all the things that we want. We actually made some key changes, like on our landing pages, which previously you were unable to navigate back to the um, to the website from. We can now like move and make them more navigable navigable so people can like move from a landing page back to the website um and it makes that that whole experience easier like which is more in line with what we want to do in a demand gen model and then we're also like working on like the drift bar and making just but completely created a whole new copy from that and um whole new characters to sort of like fit in with the rebrand and, and fit in with what we were doing now so it meant we could address all of that um, there's so much that changes when you move from like lead gen to demand gen, um, such as we had just pages with like a video just embedded on it, um, that then we, um, that, you know, now we wouldn't do, you know, we've got other places that we know where people actually consume that content, like, and was, is more valuable for us, like pushing them to the YouTube channel, right. Where they can comment, like share, subscribe, do all of that stuff, rather than just having this random page that we'd have with a with a video on that was potentially gated um and the rebrand made us go through every page to find these things and and like recategorize like recategorize where we put that content and like create journeys so that people can find it there um so that was like an absolutely massive one sorry frank are you gonna sorry i was gonna just say <laughs> i interrupted your flow while you were just talking about the drift but we actually had a question on it so I thought it was quite it was quite good so Michael's asking, uh, say, like, was Driftbot new or did you need to redesign like the chatbot flows and just kind of like might be good to talk about what we did on that? Uh, yeah, actually, so um, the Driftbot was already there before, um, but I think we had like some issues with like um, chat priorities, like which which um, bots played when 
and how that worked. And we realized that we we built up all these different specific bots for different pages over time as well, but they didn't always fire at the right times. Um, and some of those were now irrelevant. We had ones for di like different offers and things. Um, and basically it had become a big mess. Um, and also the Driftbot itself like was very basic. Uh, and I think it was because every time we tried to create like a, almost like a persona for the Driftbot, like something exciting and new about it, it didn't, we didn't really have a brand to base that off of and fit in with it. It was, um, it was quite, you know, we were a bit lost. Um, so getting, having this new brand, this new identity, being able to like um, really like say who Cognizant are enabled us to then like use that to base a new drift bar off. We then simplified it, um, made sure that it was like, that we had less playbooks running and um, and uh, and and then they were, then the ones that were running always fired at the right times and pushed, and you know, in that same sort of website journey thing, pushed people in the right directions um, and where we wanted them to go. Um, so yeah, we actually quite have a lot of fun there, just brainstorming how we were going to build it out and and how we were going to make it. I don't know if you've got anything more to add, Frank, because you're involved in the process as well. Uh, no, I think you summed it up. Um, all good. Yeah, I think the I think what the one thing I would say about drift that we I think you've already alluded to it really, but we kind of made the mistake of trying to have um, playbooks for every page almost at one point. And when we actually took stock and simplified it, we realized that we could have um, a more streamlined approach and something that was more on message because we had less noise. Um, so I think that if you were looking to deploy it, I would always start off with a few playbooks as opposed to um, I think we got a bit excited, didn't we, and started doing <laughs> started doing hundreds of playbooks, which are actually quite hard to track. So yeah, that's the yeah a bit of advice, I guess. I would give. Maybe we could also just. Oh, sorry. I think so Liam and I are actually in the same room for once. So, um, but I thought we could quickly answer Monica's question about linking the rebrand outcomes to revenue and growth because I think that's really important. So not third-party studies. This is like, it's not an exact science, but essentially I thought about some key metrics that we would increase um, based on how, going through this process and tying back to my original objectives. So I believe that we could increase um, the amount of traffic, organic traffic we get from um, branded search through going through the rebrand process. So that was just applying a percentage increase figure that I felt was um, feasible by going through this process. And then also percentage increase in website engagement metrics um, and just general traffic as well, which then ultimately um, fed into increasing direct demo requests. Uh, and as that filters down throughout our normal funnel metrics, what that looked like in a revenue output. But then also one that's like much harder to measure was just the speed and accelerated output of everything from design through to like our ability to get a campaign live and in market, our ability to do just a basic task um, and that's like obviously that's much harder to tie back to revenue and growth but it does go to becoming a more efficient um, team and being able to get a lot more done so I'd say those are like a, a few areas to look at that we did look at to try and tie back um, back to uh, yeah anyway I'll go back to hand it back over to Liam is it Liam you, you're still just the one the one final slide but um uh yeah so another another bit that we that came into the scope of work was obviously doing redoing all of the ads that we had live and running and that, that was uh obviously an absolutely massive task that um fan managed to absolutely smash through but um you you can take that up you could just again take all your ads and just reskin them in the new brand but we sort of took it as a time to deep dive into all of our current um metrics and 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 um and the performance of those um which then actually led us to restructure our accounts at the same time so that we weren't actually just reskinning the ads that we currently have but we were using the opportunities to create um new ads um for the gaps that we then had within this new structure um so i feel like this was obviously like a great time to like address all of those things start almost start from scratch and see where like oh where are we missing things you know um we're then looking at like, oh, have we create uh, different formats of different ads that we maybe hadn't considered before, like whether we're like adjusting um, different creatives for like uh, Facebook and Instagram stories, for example, um, and, and and trying out and, and using it as a way to like create new ads <laughs> that we could then test. Um, 
And then another big one, and which is obviously, again, massively affected by our earlier transition from lead gen to um, demand gen was our email nurtures. So again, we could have just gone through all of these and just re-skinned a lot of the emails um, and just built a new, new templates for them and just, um, and just put those in. But actually, we took the time to like actually adjust all the copy, some of the the way we'd written before, like, I don't think really suited us now. Um, we also looked at like, which email nurtures like were no longer even relevant. Um, some of them we'd maybe built for, um, to, as follow up to, you know, lead gen playbooks and they're just still active um, in Pardot. We, we had other ones that like maybe responded to stages in, the, um, in like CRM that are no longer really and particularly relevant as well. And it's just a big cleanup uh, piece of work that we, we were able to do there. Um, and really like think like some we consolidated as well. So we found nurtures that um, we might've had like did like were more specific than they needed to be. And we could actually consolidate them into, into one email nurture that um, was obviously like a, a way of reducing the number of emails we sent and a, and a way, an easier way for us to manage as well. Um, and all at that same time as well, we did other important things like updating the packing center and things like that. So um, it was just a much bigger task in the end than just um, updating the templates, but it's left us in a way better place um, and a better place for us to like move forward with email as well. Um, but yeah, so that's it really from that side of things. But yeah, it, I mean, the scope work was even bigger than, in, than these things in some respects, because we even, readdress some of our naming conventions and things and UTNs and everything really. Um, but yeah, you it's like a perfect time really to to take stock of everything, look back and, and start to basically fix it. Great, thank you. And I think this is a good time for me to come in as well. And just, I wanna reiterate something that I sort of covered at the beginning, but probably didn't drive home enough um, and talk about an actual example of how we did this. But when you're looking at this and we're talking through it all, and it does depend on the maturity of your organization and your marketing team in terms of how much would be involved in this process. Obviously we're talking about large marketing team, very content heavy. We had a lot of stuff out in the world and we took lead gen seriously when we were doing lead gen. So we had a lot of stuff to unpick, um, but you don't, I guess what I would say is think about your MVP. Like what can you get away with to go live with your new brand that will still have an impact, but doesn't, isn't necessarily going to keep you in this state of work in progress for uh, like as minimum amount of time as possible, basically. So what we thought about was these are the non-negotiables. Like we can't go live with a new brand and have paid ads running in old brand or have Google ads linking to landing pages in the old brand. Like these are must have things that have to be all aligned. But we could live with the fact that we were gonna roll out a new blog template across the website. And if you started going deep into our blog, because we again, take content very seriously. We have a blog of about, I don't know, 300 plus articles. Once you get past probably a hundred, you might start to find blogs that haven't got, um, that actually just have our, but our, our placeholder rebrand hero image probably have an old branded pull through um, in page images probably aren't all updated. Um, and so it's not an ideal state and we are going to continue to work through that in a backlog process of task. But those blogs get like, you know, 10, maybe 15 hits a month. It's not huge amounts in comparison to the rest of the site. So we prioritize based on traffic, based on eyeballs, based on um, what we think was going to have the biggest impact so I would just say like you can think about it in that way that wasn't going to be if we said we had to get all 300 blogs and we needed to have a hero a pull through in page images um, the full works all updated in the new brand we would definitely not be live today so that's another thing to think about like what's the what's the MVP and then the other thing as well is like don't let it halt progress so we have another product or tool that we offer which is called Cognizant Signatures um, and that was all being reskinned in the product in to fit with the new brand and they were ready to launch in April um, and we weren't ready on the Cognizant side yet so but we didn't think we just decided you know it's fine we're gonna it's completely different ICP completely different persona we're gonna launch it in the new brand 
we never had one single comment about it and like it didn't stop us progressing and it never stopped growth so always think about like I guess just don't be let the default be well no because you know we're not ready we haven't got the rebrand think about it in stages think about it in increments think about what you can get away with post live and pre-live um and I think that's a really important message and then I guess just to reiterate in terms of when you're thinking about undergoing the project like it, it, it's a lot so you need to make sure you resource it properly like we ended up by the end I think we had about five different freelancers working on the design we have an in-house design team of three as well um because for every blog there was about five different images that needed to be created times that by let's say we did 200 not for 300 plus you've got I, I don't know what 400 other web pages etc and then all of the other collateral it's a it's a huge amount of work so you need to make sure you have a process for how that work's going to run um that process fits with all the different teams and it's communicated well and clearly and then also that it's like fully resourced so if you need to use Upwork freelancers utilize Upwork freelancers which we definitely did have to by the end um so yeah just some other things to think about uh i just see another question come in so what are some of the tool, new tools formats that you created that didn't exist three years ago? Um, it would be great if we got a bit more context on what you mean by those, because we've, I mean, we've got tons of stuff that didn't exist three years ago. Um, but in particular, if you're talking to like tools that we use in our tech stack, or if we're talking about tools that we have to attract our prospective buyers. So we have both of those things are different. Um, let us know what you mean because I can talk through that a bit more detail. Uh, cool. Okay. In the meantime, we'll come back to that question. I wanted to just run through like how it's going so far. So had some lovely feedback, like very qualitative feedback. Um, so things like, like, just like obviously take what you're seeing on LinkedIn, but it's great. We had a great um, trial customer come to us, prospective customer come to us and say that they, they were loving the brand. Uh, investor Matt from Peakspan, great feedback from him, um, great feedback from a partner of ours, and then just generally some great feedback from the community within LinkedIn. So I think from all walks of life and all areas, there's been like a great um, support for the rebrand in general from a qualitative perspective, but obviously that's not what we're looking for necessarily in the main. It's really the quantitative stuff and that's how we got the sign off. So um, if we just look at like a 30 day comparison trend um, and we're looking at May, like May to June versus April to May, everything that we are looking for in terms of that organic traffic growth is on the up and the sessions. And so that's really good sign for us that what we've done is working. Um, and then it's the same when we just looked at a like slightly shorter window for the seven day comparison between when we actually launched and previous week before, because I think the key thing that you need to be very prepped for are all the technical sides of launching and changing your website. So um, we've had such a close eye on our website health score. So things like image sizes, we've got this great new ability um, to do some cool animations and things on the website, great new designs, but how is that impacting like our mobile optimization score, our website health score, uh, therefore our ability to obviously rank and at the same time, Google had rolled out a new update. So all of these things are really important for us to keep a close eye on. And so far so good, which um, is, yeah important and then we also wanted to make sure that it, none of this was impacting negatively our SEO um yeah our SEO efforts which we put a lot of time and resource into so just looking at the comparison between May and June we had actually been massively benefited by the Google update but also benefited by the website changes like the update to the website and so um the readability of our pages all of these things were factoring into it um so Johnny's question is, sorry if I missed when you said this, what's in your new website CMS? So it's always been HubSpot, um, but what we have done is just actually use the, what we were on as the old version on, of HubSpot um, in terms of from CMS. So it was like, albeit still very self, like very, you're very easy, it's very easy to use um, on your own. It wasn't drag and drop. So we're now on the drag and drop editor, which I highly recommend, but with that meant a whole rebuild. So um it's given us so much more flexibility going to the future. Again, another thing that's created scalable, like a scalable solution for us. Um, but yeah, it's HubSpot and um, it's can't complain. It's great. And then I will move on to 
Fran to cover what's next and then we'll come back to some more questions that I've seen we've got in the chat as well. Cool, thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about, um, I guess like what's next. Um, so I'm sure Alice and Liam will agree that um, we are relieved that the rebrand has been rolled out because it has been a lot of work. Um, but I think the important thing is really um, to us, like the rebrand isn't like a set and forget exercise. Um, we're updated, we've got new ads, we've got a glam new website, which is very exciting, but really um, now we're in discussions and this is just gonna be a little short slide because we're gonna build on this in other demandism episodes. But um, really we're in discussions on how we can make the brand, uh, the rebrand like work harder, but also how we can inject this creative process into everything that we do. So I guess, I don't know if anyone sort of like listening has a, has um, a similar process, but what we normally do in, in the DG team is we'll think about a campaign and we'll um, think about all the messaging and what channels we're going to post it on and then we'll say right okay and we'll just now we'll brief it to design and get some banners or some ads or anything else that we need and I think what we've learned from this is that the rebrand is actually encompasses everything that we do it's our tone of voice it feeds into our values so um, it's we're not we're kind of realizing now that it shouldn't be an afterthought so some changes that we're making is like to like level up this creative process so we want design to be a core part of building the campaign so when we're having a meeting about like what campaign we're going to run what messaging is going to be included we want like a creative direction within that from day one um that's really going to keep us honest to the brand it's going to help us feed into like the core values that the brand's communicating and also just keeping us consistent with like tone of voice and, and what we're putting out there and I think um some of the ads that Alice was showing earlier or, or like the inconsistencies in what we we're producing that is um you know we, we were very guilty of probably just working in silo from design um and we just really weren't um being, I guess, like very cohesive. So that's something that we definitely learned and something that we're really going to focus on. Um, and also, um, it's like the storytelling elements. We haven't really been very strong at that previously. Um, I think we can do it um, quite well in, in, a, in a campaign um, for our core ICP, um, but we never tie it back to kind of like our overarching message. So that's another thing. Um, that we, you know, we need to consider like brand guidelines are a core part of the conversation and, you know, when defining our messaging and everything that we're doing. Um, so, yeah, and we've um, we've really, I think Liam and Alice have covered this really well already, but we've really taken stock and redefined what we're actually putting out there. So, um, you know, it's our, I think it's two things. I think it's the switch from lead gen to demand gen. I think it's um, taking stock and having this rebrand, but we're really thinking about, well, if we're not obsessing over ebooks anymore, what kind of experience are we delivering to our audience? Um, what are we putting out there? Are we ahead of the trends? Are we interactive? Are we creating like on-site journeys that make sense to how like users behave? Um, like, which is very different to how they would behave like five years ago, for example. So there's loads of stuff um, that we're starting to think about and cover. Um, I think like the next um, like the next few episodes will will cover things like around like how we're reviewing our campaign structure and things like that. So we'll do like a real deep dive. Um, and I guess my final thought on this is, um, you know, we wanted this brand to be able to be scalable and we really just wanted to like push Cognizant to the next level. Um, although. I guess like when we like when we were first told like you know Alice came to us and said we're doing this big rebrand I think sometimes you think um like okay well we're growing as a company we're going to have these really strict brand guidelines and that's you know we've got to work within them yes you do and it helps for the consistency and tone of voice but it doesn't mean that it has to stem creativity and it doesn't mean like you can't push things to the next level so I've just like added some ads that we um we well, they're not even live and out there yet, so you guys are the first ones to see them. But um, we're we're thinking about connections and around this gaming theme, and th these are just like some of the ads that um, we've put like we've put together. Um, really thinking about how we're telling the story and the creative element. So here's a great example of how um, yes, there are brand guidelines, but you can still really um, think outside the box. So yeah, that's just like a little summary from me. But um, yeah, over the next few weeks, I'll be covering our new campaign structure and lots of other things um and I think we do we have more questions Alice do you want to yeah I was going to go back to Michael's question because there's a really good question here about um 
you've discussed from a marketing perspective, I haven't discussed coordinating with product customer success and the rest of the business. It's a really good point. So how does this, how did this work? So, and we could actually talk about some more stories into this as well. I think like can be honest, a bit honest as well in terms of like what worked and what didn't, but what did work was keeping, um, identifying the key stakeholder group early on at the beginning of the project um, and getting them involved in the very beginning phases of the whole rebrand piece. So where we had, we basically, the agency would create kind of three ways that paths that we could go down and having those stakeholders be involved at the very beginning of that was great because it meant that we all came aligned on eventually the path that we chose um, and the route that we went down. I would say the really important thing is though, like have a, the driver and the owner of the project, which will be marketing. So in this case, it was me, make sure that you keep very clear timelines and deadlines on any feedback um, that's required from those stakeholders. And if they miss the deadlines and timelines, then I'm afraid like that's kind of too bad and you have to move forward. Otherwise, I think that can become, it's like designed by committee and you end up losing time that you can't afford to lose. So um, set that set that expectation up front so it's not a shock to people um, and then stick to it throughout. And then internally as well, we have an internal scope of work, which was I going to all of those stakeholders, understanding and identifying all of the requirements that they would have with the rebrand. So whether it was a number of like, it was the assets the sales team used or the assets that the customer success organization needed or whether it was uh, like partner collateral. So all of these things were identified up front. And again, in consultation with those stakeholders, a phased approach was actually um, put in place in terms of rollout. So these are like frontline assets that sales cannot live without, must be ready for launch. These are things that we can do post-launch, et cetera. Um, and actually also we had to stay agile. So at the same time we were um, reskinning the product to be in line with the new brand. And at one point in the process, it looked like the product was gonna launch a week before um, the website and the rest of the branded assets. And we were fine with that. And then actually it switched at the last minute and we went live with everything else and product launched four days after us. So again, it was a good example of just saying agile, thinking about whether that really needs to be a game changer and block progress, or if you can live in like a bit of a, a limbo world for, for a time. The other thing that really helped us is we were, we're also rolling out seismic to the organization. So, um, that was a good opportunity for us to consolidate um, all of the assets that the rest of the org use anyway, and make sure that no out of date or branded assets are being used. Um, another thing that's really, really important to do is you need to keep the rest of the company updated. So we have these all hands town halls once a month. So I think for probably the last four months, I was doing an update on the rebrand, like where are we in the progress process, sharing the latest, that I could share um, from the rebrand and trying to get people excited. And that's actually incorporated in the video that we showed at the very start, like their reactions to that across those town halls. Um, so yeah, not keeping people in the dark too much. Um, and then the, the way you, to roll it out, I guess, that we did was to create a rebrand pack. So that had, um, I mean, there's a lot that you can control on the marketing side. So we have Mailtastic, which can update everyone's email signatures automatically. So we didn't need to worry about that. Um, obviously we can control most of the outward facing kind of brand assets um, but things like their personal banners on LinkedIn we couldn't control the updates to those they're them applying a newly branded zoom background we couldn't control that either um, if they wanted to share the rebrand video all these things that we wanted to create a pack that was very easy for them to access on the Monday morning they came in they could grab those assets and they could update for themselves um, and yeah, hopefully as a company, we all went out on that Monday morning, fully rebranded um, and into the world. And that Monday was hectic, I can tell you. Um, but it wasn't perfect, I would say. And I'd say one thing that I was guilty of um, in trying to keep the work away from the rest of my marketing organization, because I didn't want to stunt um, any of their progress or any of the work they were doing. And I wanted them to keep moving forward. I think at times um, there they weren't uh, there wasn't so much transparency in where we were with the process or um, feeling bought into every like part of it as well. So I think in hindsight, I was getting married in the middle of it. So I think that was part of the issue too. Had like a month off there, so next time don't get married again. Um, but I think that definitely was a really good learning. Uh, there is a balance to be had between don't distract and also having. Um, 
oversight and involvement and like overview of where they are with everything and then it ended up being like quite a mad rush when we got to the points of like now we need all hands on deck this has become like all team let's go for like you know two weeks of normal work as usual kind of stopped and we got this all done and that was great probably for two to three weeks but I think that could have been smoother had had there been a better balance kind of in that in that phase um and then I think I'll hand over to Liam and Fran and it'd be great for you guys to just be brutally honest and share your learnings as well yeah cool um I think um I suppose like Liam and I managing teams as well um I think that was um it was quite a lift on that side um I think sometimes um I think maybe it was a bit stop starty like the way like I communicated it so it's like right guys we've got this rebrand coming up thinking I was being really over communicative and this is all good um but I was like but in the meantime we need to work on this this and this and then we're going back to the rebrand and I think there's a there's a really important point where there's there's just like there needs to be more like change management I think because when you're asking the team to um, focus on a priority because you want output but then drop everything and then work on the rebrand tasks it can be a lot and I think you forget um, that if you know everything can't be a priority so I think like next time well <laughs> it's not any it's not anytime soon there's never a next time um, but yeah if I had to do it again that's what I meant to say I probably would be just a little bit firmer or maybe clearer on um, what you can drop what you can't and I think at times it was a little bit confusing so um yeah I'd um I would say that like key learning um so I don't know if you've got anything else uh um yeah well, I, I'd just say that sometimes I probably uh underestimated the the scope of work as well <laughs> like you'd start on something do it you think you'd further into it and then you realize there was actually um way more that you could do I suppose to begin with um yeah like some things like we want like you decide to like realize address or change as you do it and I think um it's like to take into account I suppose what I said before like to try and take into account all of that up front and and really think about it um because I don't know if I was always the best prepared for it um and then also, yeah, and how, and, and like I said, Fran, how Fran says, like, in managing your team's time to actually allocate time for the rebrand. Um, because I feel like it, maybe at the beginning, we didn't hit the ground running as fast. And if we had, then we might have had a better split of work. Um, so towards the end, it was almost 100% rebrand. Whereas maybe, like, really, we could have kept it at, like, 70, 30 the whole time if in the beginning they weren't actually at, like, 955 uh <laughs> so i think i think there's there's that side as well but you always think you've got time on your side until there's until there's not much left um yeah i think they're probably some of the biggest things um i think i think on that as well just sorry it's explaining the why is really important like i think also that was sometimes missed was like um it wasn't just a task like okay content team please create the breeze for all the 400 blogs that you have um listed and blogged and like you know that they would just say okay I'll get the task I'm going to run with it I'm going to do it but actually the why of like okay this is an opportunity as we've talked about a lot to actually think about what well, rethink about the journeys that those blogs lead to to rethink to think about the quality of those images to think about how this could really impact all your core metrics and KPIs if done really well rather than it just feel like oh this is extra work um and I think the why therefore and tying it back to metrics and KPIs is really important um and holding my hands up to probably not always having communicated that as well um so yeah sorry Fran were you going to say something uh yeah like something similar to that I think well two more points I guess I had um one was the um one that now I look back where we should have done is probably just looked as a dg team like looked at all of our tech stack um because tools that you don't necessarily use all the time um like drift for example we were like um i was like all right we need a new logo but then actually as i mentioned before we've got so many different playbooks and we were still finding playbooks to like old pdfs and things like that so i think probably a good tip would just to be like address all of the tech stack that you've got in place um and just prioritize it as alice was saying you don't have to do it all at once but just look at that in prioritization um and then i guess maybe just feedback um i think explaining the why is definitely important because 
now I've spoken with some of our team, we're thinking about new campaigns and how we're unlocking that in the new brands. And obviously I've just shown you guys these cool ads that one of the guys on my team, Jamie's been working on. And um, they're really excited about it because they can see how now it's features throughout all of our campaigns, how we think about this tone of voice. And I can see that they're buzzing. But I think if I'd, if I'd, if I'd explained the why earlier, I think they probably would have been more excited then than like they are now so I think yeah it's just super important to do that um but yeah otherwise like glad it's done it's exciting yeah I mean it wasn't all bad guys so just to to reiterate sort of the like early signs of the metrics um lots of real really hard work I mean I just like honestly my, my team were phenomenal and it would never have been done without them all so it's a huge lift on marketing but a massive like like a huge thing to have gone through gone through and to have done and so hopefully for all of them like an amazing experience and they've absolutely done a phenomenal job which I'm sure everyone will be able to see as well but I just wanted to like talk about kind of what where we're going to go with demandism next because I think this was kind of a one-off we just wanted to talk about this because it was a massive thing we've been busy doing which is why we've not been as present um of late but we're back and we're fully in the demand gen focus in fact Liam and Fran and I have all been in an office for the last two days heads down um building out what was going to be our new structure that we're going to be rolling out for how we want to run demand generation team um how we're going to work what we're redefining what a campaign is now that it's not an ebook sorry Fran still your line um (laughs) (laughs) um, and actually deep diving like yeah how we want to roll that out to the team so it really accelerates um and actually get more into market and in play now that we have got this amazing brand behind us. So we're gonna, there's so much there. I mean, we've created, we've, I mean, literally in two days, we've built a whole structure. Um, we've got tons to share. So um, we'll keep sharing the journey that we're going on. We're obviously, yeah, we're on it with you guys and we continue to keep thinking about it, building on it and innovating. And as we go, we'll share it. So um, that will be the focus of the next demand. Oh no, the next one is actually all about, um, it's actually about how we've changed our focus on to content distribution and how we've made content distribution work for us. Um, and we're going to have a guest speaker come in. So Bino from our team, um, she has, you'll see our LinkedIn follower growth is like phenomenal through the roof. How have we made LinkedIn organic company pages work for us? How have we made subject matter expert LinkedIn organic growth happen for us? So we're going to be, that's going to be our next episode. And then after that, because we'll have had all of this rolled out to the team as well we'll come and show you everything we've been working on from a structure perspective what that feeds into from a, like what is a campaign what are the elements of campaigns how are we planning campaigns how are we executing them um in this new demand gen world as well so a couple of episodes teased there and in the meantime we're hiring um i know it's tough out there a little bit at the moment so um yeah if anyone's interested definitely come and check out cognizant because we're still hiring so thank you for, for listening and hope it was useful Uh, Yes, see you on the next one.